0: A lot of times when I find people struggling to get to the next level, and I start to ask about what was your part of this? What could you have done differently? People haven't thought about that yet. I think one thing is just like, were there moments, right, that you chose not to shine?
1: Hello and welcome to Taking the Lead, a podcast featuring conversations with the most accomplished, admired, and amazing female revenue leaders throughout B2B Tech. Taking the Lead is hosted by Christina Brady, a sales leader, lifelong learner, and president of Sales Assembly. This show is brought to you by Sales Assembly, the industry's first and only scale-as-a-service platform that helps high-growth tech companies scale better, scale faster, and scale smarter. Visit salesassembly.com to learn more. And now, let's jump into the conversation. Hello, everybody,
2: and welcome to another episode of Taking the Lead. I am Christina Brady, the president of Sales Assembly, and I am here with our incredible guest, Anna Tellerico. Anna, how are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited. I listen to the podcast.
0: I tell all of my friends to listen to the podcast. I'm excited to be here.
2: Oh, wonderful. That's great news because I am occupying a large chunk of your time. And if you weren't excited, it wouldn't work. But before we dive in, I want to make sure that I give a quick shout out to our incredible sponsors of the podcast, Showpad, Vidyard, and Motion. If you don't know what Showpad is, Showpad is the best thing to happen to your sales team. With Showpad, you can enable your team to win with the content and training they need to drive more meaningful customer conversations. And truly, Who doesn't need that? So visit showpad.com to learn more. Um, And also Vidyard. If you haven't heard about Vidyard, get out from under the rock. They are the video platform that is built specifically for business. Sales reps can use Vidyard to record videos that grab prospects' attention, way better than any email. And they're not just a typical video hosting platform. You can create personalized video experiences. You can track the performance and analytics, and you can integrate the video data into your CRM for follow-up one and done. Check out Vidyard if you want to know more about all of your video needs. And lastly, we couldn't produce this podcast without our friends over at Motion. They are a podcasting service company for scrappy marketing teams in the B2B tech landscape. They launch podcasts like this one and do everything that you need to get them up and running, like audio, visual, video, and written blogs. You can find them at motionagency.io. All right. Now that we have gone through that without further ado, Anna, I would love to just give a brief overview of your career path and then hear from you your story. So you're currently an operating partner at Arthur Ventures. You're the co-founder of Sasix. You were the COO of Linux Academy. You're an advisor for Founders Advisors. You do a lot to talk to me about your professional journey.
0: Sure. I sort of self-identify as a web and software SaaS entrepreneur. I've always run companies and been a founder. But in 2017, one of my companies, we had an exit. And after that, I was just doing some advising and thinking about what did I want to do next. I wasn't ready to jump back into a company or run a company. So... I started doing some like fractional interim sales and CS and marketing leadership, really enjoyed that. And one of the companies that I was doing that with was Linux Academy where I fell in love with the team and the the customers and the product. And I always say that the CEO at Linux Academy was very persuasive, kept asking me to join full time, even though I didn't think I was ready. It was just too compelling. So I joined there in 2019 or I should say 2018. We had a rocket ship 18 months together, ended up that company was acquired at the end of 2019. So it was a really great experience. I was across marketing, sales, customer success, and also our people, internal people. So I would say like our relationships, internal and external. And after that, I worked on the integration a little bit. After the acquisition, I was working on integrating the two companies and then joined Arthur Ventures as an operating partner. Arthur Ventures was our investor in Linux Academy, and they were a fantastic partner. So I I jumped at the chance to come over here and and work across our entire portfolio of companies.
2: Oh my goodness. I can imagine that a lot of our listeners are wondering, how did an opportunity like that come up? What was the story behind that?
0: Yeah. So at Linux Academy, we had it was a pretty special sort of once in a lifetime moment. We had a Really rapid growth that last year and a half that I was there. Built a lot of enterprise value, had a pinch me exit. And again, I didn't really know what I wanted to do just like after my first exit. I'm not sure what I'm going to do. So I stayed behind and worked on the integration. But when Arthur Ventures called to say, we would love you to join as an operating partner, it was definitely a no-brainer to be able to help our portfolio companies experience what we experienced at Linux Academy. and really my role there is I work across, we've got 45 companies that we're invested in. I work across them in really different ways as just an advisor or a mentor and a coach for their go-to-market teams. And then I'm also often jumping in as a fractional leader if they have a gap. I do a lot of recruiting. I spend a lot of time just helping our companies like get the right people in the right seats, doing the right things. I would say that's probably the one sentence about my role is just helping them to make sure everybody's focused on the right things and, and getting the right people. In the door.
2: My gosh, you're doing five jobs in one. And this is a perfect segue into what we're talking about today, which is overall leadership development. And I think a large part in helping people, especially women or minorities, step into leadership is that how do I get noticed? how do i make sure that the person who has the opportunity realizes that i'm in line and i'm ready and so for you in your journey you were obviously noticed for the work that you were doing and you were pulled in how do you get noticed
0: uh, i love that question that's such a good question i think and i'll say that i what i see where people struggle with this is that maybe they're not managing up. So that's where Mm -hmm. I always start in terms of getting noticed. I see, I come into companies sometimes and I see people doing really great work, work that is moving the business forward, uh, work that's adding value, delivering value, creating value, and it's not necessarily noticed because maybe they're not managing up or managing up in a way that the organization can receive it. So a lot of times we think we're managing up because we're putting out reports or sending emails with statuses. But what we might not be thinking about is are we sending the information and sharing the information in a way that can be received and internalized so people understand? So I think that's one. Is just I've come to realize lately that managing up is such such an underrated skill. But it, it is how we get noticed, I think.
2: Absolutely. And to dive one level deeper on that, I think a lot of people confuse managing up with visibility or just being in front of somebody. In my prior roles, the questions I were asked all the time were, I want to be a leader. What do I do? And okay, so managing up, that means that once a month, I should put 30 minutes on this individual's calendar so that they can get to know me. And I guess I just hope that it happens from there. So if you were to give a deep dive on what does managing up really mean? What does that look like? Because I would say it's a lot more than just, I put 30 minutes on your calendar so that you know who I am. You're so right. I think when we hear
0: about managing up, people assume that just means like status, visibility, they yes. can sure that people know what you're working on and, and your outcomes. I, the one thing I think is to start with is having awareness of the organization that you're in. And so what I think is that managing up looks different in different organizations. And so part of it is how does this company Operate what is their cadence? How do they communicate? Is this a company that loves decks? I'm gonna make sure what everything I do is in a deck and it's so tactical and simple, but if you're Writing documents and wikis and this is a visual kind of company that does things in decks Like it's so tactical, but it's true You're not going to get noticed or you're gonna get noticed in a way that she or he doesn't get it right They don't work the way we do so I think it's important to bring yourself and how you operate and be true to that. But you have to adapt to the organization that you're in and the leadership team especially. So simple one is look at how the company operates and find ways to operate like that. Is this a hyper communicative? Is this a company that talks in sound bites or do they talk in paragraphs? Just that alone to me goes a huge way. A lot of times when you see somebody who is delivering value and it's not getting recognized, they're almost acting in or like operating a way that friction with the company and they just don't realize. And so that small adjustment can be a big one.
2: That's huge, I think. So it comes first with, I would say, if you're an individual contributor and you are looking for that next opportunity, it sounds like it's a lot of watching and observing and truly understanding what is the dynamic of my company? What have other people done? Have you ever found yourself in a situation where you've worked with a company or been at a company where they promote people based solely on relationships?
0: Yeah, I think it happens, especially at startups, right? Where people maybe our leaders in a startup are inexperienced as well. So they're making decisions that perhaps a more experienced leader might not make. And they're making some mistakes and, and choices that you would, you know, a more seasoned person might not make. So I think that does happen. But I think even what you just said about a lot of managing up is watching and, and listening and observing. It, it's really true. And also this is, gets back to the relationship thing is know what the company values and cares about. What are the outcomes? Be- because a lot of us are busy delivering 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 great work. But if we're not articulating that in a way that aligns with the company's goals, then it's not going to get noticed. So if the company's goals are around revenue, let's be framing the work that we're doing and how it supports our revenue goals. Let's not talk about our audience that we're building or this program we're running. Let's talk about that stuff, but tie it back to the goals. So I think there's that I want to make sure we talk about, not just like watching and listening and operating the way a company does, but you've got to tie everything back to the goals. What does that have to do with the relationships and people just getting picked over? I would say one thing is like that happens and it's not fair and the thing that we have to do in those moments because it's not fair is we have to reflect what could we have done differently. A lot of times when I find people struggling to get to the next level and I start to ask about what was your part of this, what could you have done differently? people haven't thought about that yet. I think one thing is just like, were there moments, right, that you chose not to shine? Or were there moments that you chose not to build that relationship? Were there moments that you weren't necessarily tying things back to gold? Because it's not fair that certain people play favorites. And that's the thing, too. We don't have to stay in those organizations. When we see that happening, we can choose to fight it. Or we can just say, like this isn't for me, I'm going to go find a place that will recognize my values. But I do think it's Even if you're going to say, this isn't for me, I don't like that people play favorites here. I think you still have to take time to really unpack, was there anything I could have done differently that might have changed the outcome? Because I don't think we do enough of that when we're in an unjust situation that feels like, oh, they just picked their friend. Like, let's look at, this might be systemic. This might be cultural. There's literally might be nothing that we could do to change it, but it's it's worth reflecting on anyway. This is
2: Such a big point that you're making because I think people who want to go into leadership or be promoted further into leadership, when they miss that opportunity or they're not chosen, even if it's for all the right reasons, that can be really painful and that can make you want to quit or leave a company or think, why me? And we go a little bit into kind of victim mentality. And I'm saying that because. I've I've been there. The very first executive leadership role that I ever interviewed for, I didn't get. I was a frontline manager, and everyone had puffed me up a lot, saying, You're perfect for this, you're gonna get it, you should throw your name in. I had the relationship with everybody, and I was like, I am a shoe-in. I went into this more confident than I've ever been in my entire life, as like a 22-year-old. Yeah, I was like, I got this, it's gonna be great. And then I didn't get it. And What I remember in that moment was one, I was feeling very subjective and I was feeling really sorry for myself. And a lot of that is I was very young, but it also showed how much I wasn't ready for that level of responsibility. But two, I remember asking some of my peers, some of my mentors, even my manager at the time, like, why did I not get this? Everybody was telling me that I was perfect for it. Why didn't I get it? And it was, there was a lot of really strong candidates and your time is coming and there wasn't anything tactical, which frustrated me more because what the, I then did is I dug my heels even further and I was like, I should have gotten this. It's obviously some kind of bias. It's obvious that I didn't build enough of a relationship. And it wasn't until I sat down with somebody who was a mentor of mine outside of sales, who said, I'll tell you why I didn't get this, and gave me the real raw feedback. And I gotta tell you, I didn't like it. I remember sitting in a chair and sobbing, but then that day changed my life because when I was able to digest that, Then I knew tactically, behaviorally, skill-wise, where my gaps were. And then when I finally moved into that role, I was a better leader for it. Mm -hmm. So it's all of those things that come in play.
0: It is. And I think you're really lucky that you had a mentor that was real with you. I look back on moments. like I think this is a common thing, right? Somebody wants to be promoted. They want to get to the next level. They want to move into a new role and take that progression. And they're not sure why that's not happening. And right. a lot of times it's because we as leaders aren't giving the direct and candid feedback where, and I can think of many moments where people, I was working with people that I loved and cared about and who were struggling to get to the next level. And I wasn't as direct as I should have been, but I, that's something I don't ever want to do again. Like if somebody is not getting to the next level for a reason, I want to be really clear with them and not coddle them or I want to be direct, radical candor, that book, right? Like I resisted reading that book for so long because it's so trendy. And I'm like, I know how to be candid. I feel like I'm a really candid person and I can deliver really hard news. But reading that book made me realize that I had done a disservice to a lot of people by not being as candid as I should have been about why they were stuck in their career. So I would say you bring up a really good point is that if you're not on the path that you think you should be, or you're not getting the recognition you should, you think you should be, I think you have to make sure that you're really pushing for direct feedback because don't assume that your leaders are going to give it to you.
2: I, I, I love that you just brought up radical candor because it's so true. I read that actually a couple years after the experience I'm telling you about, and this idea of care personally and challenge directly and how to do it. So many people, when it comes to leadership development, think that challenge directly means tough love. And like, it doesn't, it's like a completely different thing. And challenge directly is challenging because you care about them and tying it back to that because I don't know your thoughts on this, but I have seen some instances where a strong relationship can actually be detrimental because you rely on the relationship and you miss that person's opportunities to improve, have you ever been in a situation where you really put somebody up for an interview and you're like, they're great, they're amazing, they're gonna get it? And then the other interviewees are like, this person is not a fit at all, what are you talking about? And your mind is blown. I think that happens a lot because we mistake how strong a relationship personally comes into professional development.
0: Absolutely. I'm so grateful when people are willing to say, yeah, no, you've totally got that person wrong, like they're not a fit at all, or you think that they're X, but really they are why because you, You fall in love with a candidate or somebody that you work with closely and you see all of the strengths that they bring without maybe looking at the other side and being, you know, real about their gaps or their areas of opportunity or their weaknesses for sure happens. But And this is probably why people sometimes get promoted that maybe weren't the most deserving person in the room. So again, like leaders are humans, they make mistakes. They, and so I think it's like, they're looking at a candidate knowing their strengths and choosing that versus looking at the the, the whole totality of some of these strengths and weaknesses for sure.
2: Nobody other than you can see me, but I'm like nodding like crazy and throwing (laughs) my hands up in the air because it just, all of this resonates so true, but there is lacking conversation around it. And, and speaking of lacking conversation or opportunity, it's no secret that especially for women or those who identify as female, who want to go into leadership, opportunities, development, feedback, simply equity is not the same. In your experience, have you either felt that, you've been privy to it, or have you seen that with some colleagues?
0: Yeah, it's a great question. I think that earlier in my career, I never really thought about it. I I was a revenue leader. I had many strong revenue leaders around me inside of my company that we've homegrown. And I never stopped to think about gender or equity in that regard. I was never a person who would have said, yeah, there's not opportunities for female leaders. And then I think now I look at that and I say that's because I was so zoomed in. I was surrounded by some strong female leaders and... Over the last three or four years, as I've zoomed out, I've re- recognized the scope of the gap here. What, one thing I will say is, like, the first time it really hit me was when I was a CEO at Linux Academy. We had scaled up the sales team pretty quickly, and it was all men. It was just all, and we. I had even said to the recruiting people, like, we really we need some balance here. Like, we need to be looking for some females, and I just none were coming through the the pipeline, and. We had a new sales manager come in who was going to be doing a lot of recruiting. And one of the first things he said is, wow, this is a team of men. And I said, yeah, no, I, we really struggled to find women. And I don't know, just, it's just not happening. And he's, I'm going to go hire some women. And he just that's all he said. And I just didn't, I was like, oh, okay, great. And literally two months later, we had... 40 60 split because he just set out to go do it and he did it and something I had even personally as a leader failed at doing so I think there's there's being intentional like he set such a good example for me of even being more intentional it's not enough to say yeah we need diversity in here yeah we need women in here like you have to be intentional and that might mean you have to change you know what you're saying in your job descriptions, what you're saying in the recruiting process and in the interview process, you might have to be looking for some non standard candidates, right? Look, even think about the, the women that you've had here as guests. They've all had a really robust, like, rich, winding path to where they are. They're not quite linear, all of us. So I think it's just being super intentional. But that was the first moment I I realized, wow, it's not just like I can turn around and get women in here or find women revenue leaders. But then recently, I do a ton of recruiting. And at one point late last year, I was filling four head of sales roles at once for our portfolio companies. So I was in hundreds of interviews in Springs, myself personally, and I had, there were no women in the pipelines that were coming in. And I just, that was a moment where I was like, wait, there's a real problem. If I'm across four different companies, four different industries, and I can't find any revenue leaders that are women. And so I think it was actually around that time, a woman that reached out to me on LinkedIn, she had read an article that I had written and she said, I just got thrown into leading our sales team and I'm over my head and I don't know what I'm doing. I just need a little help. Can you point me in the right direction? And I really took it as like a sign from the universe. I'm going all in on her right now because she's who's in front of me. Like I can't put her in as a head of sales at one of these companies, but I can make sure that she feels supported in this role right now. And I think that is part of It's like making sure that we are supporting people that, that need it, that are important to our industry. And that's a choice, like a time investment. And essentially, we've spent about six months together now. I talk to her every week. She her she had two quarters. She killed it. She's doing great. And she's somebody I hope to have in my life for a long time. And she used to say, why are you doing this? And I said, because one day you're going to need to do it with somebody else. And that's yes. why we need to invest in each other for sure.
2: Yes. Because another thing that all of the women I have spoken to have in common is they had another strong woman who believed in them, who mentored them, who sponsored them, who showed them simply that they could. And it's when we step into our light, other people are watching and it's being aware of that. And so thinking about like, when is your light going to help someone else? And I'm struck by you recalling No women in the pipeline, no women in the pipeline across multiple companies. Because I I talk to companies all the time who say, we really want to hire more women. How do we do it? And my answer is always like, great news. We're everywhere. So it shouldn't be that hard. Why is it so hard? What do you think is tripping everybody up? What is it? Yeah, that's a
0: really nuanced question. But I will say, you're right, we're everywhere. And one of the most exciting things that has happened to me in the last month or two is I got to attend one of the events that you were putting on for women. And I was so excited. There was like a hundred... There and I joined that meeting and, I, and there was just marketers and CS people and sales and business development and you know partner relations and just such a wide variety of people at different stages of their career and it was a really it was just a really affirming moment for me to say okay you're zoomed out again you're not seeing them but they're right here but why I don't know that's a, that, that's such a good question do we. And much smarter people than me are probably have better answers. I know that there is a lot of bias, even in how we write job descriptions, how we talk about things. There's bias in the cultures of our sales organizations. I just had it happen. We were working on a sales kickoff with a, part, a partner company that just happens to be all men. It's a small sales team. And I was reflecting back on the sort of quarterly incentives that they designed. And I thought, those would not have, they're like, they're like, grow incentives. So it's just like everywhere. And so I think it's just, unfortunately, it's pretty systemic, honestly. It's how we talk about things. So I think maybe it's like women find a place that they feel like can thrive where the light is shining on them and and, and maybe so they're not always seeking the next thing because they know that they might be stumbling into a culture that's not quite as supportive. And also, I hate to be, I hate to be, I hate to say this, but just thinking about, I was, do we sometimes just not go for the things That we deserve. I think that's a big part of it and not believe that we can and should get it and that we deserve to get it.
2: Women historically feel like we need to be better than perfect to step into something even introductory. Like we have to be the best possible candidate. We have to check all of the boxes. And the reason that exists is because that's been true. That's the other reality is a lot of the reality that we are living in are kind of these walls that have been built that we're trying to knock down. Like that feeling of I have to be perfect before stepping into something that didn't come out of nowhere. It came out of women being promoted into roles alongside their male counterparts and being made to feel like you have to earn the fact that I let you in here. I did you a favor. Pay me. It's that idea of a running tab by giving women equity and equality. And that's going to take a long time to get over. And sometimes women cannibalize themselves or other women. I was talking to a candidate the other day for one of the roles that we have, and she's phenomenal. And she said, real quick, before I go any further, I want to level with you. I'm pregnant. And Mm. I completely understand if that removes my eligibility for candidacy. And I just... Paused, and the way that struck me, I first said to her, "If that interrupts your eligibility for candidacy, then we're a terrible company." I was like, "Why did you feel like you had to say it that, like that?" Like I just, I went to being really curious, and I know the answer, yeah. but that's what we do. Like we, we cannibalize because we have to be perfect. It's, it's so a self any monster.
0: It, yeah. No, it really is. I, and I think there's even studies about that that show like women won't apply for something if they meet eighty percent of the criteria. Meanwhile, a male might apply and they meet 20% of the criteria. Or none but, of it. Yeah, exactly. None of it. To- totally. So I think that's absolutely true. I think to this, I, I, I've hired some women that were pretty far along in their pregnancies who were sheepish to tell me and felt like they were confessing something. And even I think about women, when I was running a business, women who would be hesitant to announce their pregnancy for fear it was going to be received in a way of oh, now we've got a plan and there's going to be maternity. And so why do we have that? We didn't make that feeling up like it's coming from somewhere. Yeah, it's really funny. I used to theatrically be excited when people would tell me so that they would know there is nothing here but excitement. And you should be, you know, celebrating this and not worried about how it's going to be received at work. Like literally, that should be the last thing on your mind. And yet it's, one of the first things that we have when we we, when we have a pregnancy, one of the first things if we're professionals and is how is this gonna impact work, right? How are they gonna feel about this? It's and it's 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 heartbreaking really when you think about it.
2: It is heartbreaking. Every time I hear a woman say or anyone say, even a speaker capacity, as women we feel like we have to X, I wanna raise my hand and say it's because we do and we have. It's like the more that we frame it like this mirage that doesn't really exist the more we don't fix the problem because then it becomes an us thing. It becomes, well, it's just your perception. And instead, we're trying to tackle reality and change reality. And once reality is changed, then the way that we all react to it will as well. But that's going to take time, a lot of time and a lot of change.
0: Reality is nobody ever asks a male leader that has a family at home, how they juggle it. And that's a common question every day for a female leader or even a female that's just working, right? Working hard. Oh, how do you juggle it at all? How do you do it all? Yeah. That, that's Poorly. A Poorly. Yeah. <laughs> I am
2: dropping balls left and right. <laughs> right. I'm a mess. I'm yeah. a mess is how oh, I do it.
0: Yeah. Completely. <laughs> we need to be able, this is the other thing, to say it, right? That was one thing when I was running my last business, and I had kids and people would always say, I don't know how you do it. And I'd be like, just so you know, I don't like I do not do everything to the level I'd like to be able to do it. I'm I cannot be everywhere. So I I think that's important that we are honest with each other about that. And so that we don't have these sort of myths of somebody can literally do it all. It's, It's literally not possible. And I think it's just a it's a detriment to women that we think that we should be able to
2: that's what stops women from wanting to be leaders and executive leaders too yeah. is all of us multiple times a day or all day feel like we're a hot mess and yeah. like we're juggling a lot and we're not doing it well and we're so afraid to be found out and when you think about women who are in a leadership role it becomes 10 times more important because there's a magnifying glass on them and there's yeah. a, a wrong kind of light shining on them to prove you're a leader And you're a mom or a sister or a wife or an aunt or a caregiver. And now that you're a leader, everyone's going to ask you how you do it all. And if you don't do it all, now you look like a failure. And that winds up feeling unimaginable and unsurmountable for so many women who want to be leaders.
0: Absolutely. And and it's just not fair that that men don't get these questions or have these expectations on them. And I think that a lot of young women that I talk to talk about that they're going to have to dial back if they choose to have a family or that the choices that they're going to have to make. My own daughter, she's 18, she talks about it. She's going to, her, and I think a lot of women her age are thinking this way. She's like, I'm going to go all in and then I'm going to sit, not do that. I'm going to lean back. Maybe I won't work, whatever. When And I think that there's a place for everybody and everybody's choices about how much they want to work or not work or balance things. But I think that it's balance in general is a total myth. <laughs> so, and we just, have, we just have to be supportive of everybody's choices. That's just, it's too bad that people have to think about these things as like trade-offs than either or, because it shouldn't be that way.
2: Well, and that brings me back then to radical candor. Where in order to be radically candid, you have to care personally about somebody and to care personally about them, you have to be invested in them. You have to know about what drives them. You have to know their motivators and you have to challenge them where it's appropriate and you drop all the other stuff. It just comes down to regardless of your gender or your identified gender or your race or your culture or your sexuality, none of that has any bearing on you as a human being or your ability to do the job. So I'm going to care about you personally because you're a human that I work with, and I'm going to challenge you directly to help you hit your goals. And if your goal is you want to keep climbing the ladder at this company, great. We're going to get you there. And if your goal is that you've decided you want to stop and you want to go be a mom for a few years, I care about you personally. Let's help you do that too. And who you are and what you are becomes second to just helping people do what matters.
0: I actually yeah and I think that you've brought up a good point which is that not everybody ha- people have different goals and we often yes. assume people just want progression right so if, if a, a woman wants to stop or man anybody wants to not necessarily be on this progression of constantly moving up and sometimes people are just happy where they're at and yet we come at them as leaders to say let's talk about the next thing and here's what you have to do to progress I, I think that what we need to all realize is not everybody wants that. So we need to have really candid conversations about what people do want and honor that, right? Like somebody <sighs> can be in a place and say, I'm good here right now. I like my, what I do. I like my workload and I just want to do this right now. And that, that can change in a couple of years. And I think we shouldn't assume that people just want to trace up, up the leadership chain.
2: That's a big nugget yes. from this conversation is If you are a leader and you are coaching your people, don't coach them where you think they want to go. You should ask them that and accept the answer. And I love the fact you made the point that not wanting promotion and not wanting to constantly move up doesn't mean that you're a bad employee. Some of the best employees are people who are like, I love this and I'm going to be the best person at this. And that's what I want you to help me with. My God, lean into that. Lean
0: into it and accept it. I will say, like, I've had people that I thought were capable of so much more growth professionally and wanted that. I wanted that for them, but they didn't. And that's the hardest thing to accept. I see your potential, but you're happy where you're at. You have to honor that because that's somebody making their choice. But it, yeah, so you can't just want it for somebody and assume and push them that way. If somebody's saying, I'm good, you, you've got to let them be good. If somebody is good, let them be
2: good. I love it. I love it. And this is a, a great place to leave it with some incredible, chewable advice and kind of lead into our rapid reveal section if you are ready. I'm ready. Let's do it. I know, let's do it. So every episode, I ask my guests five questions that are meant to be a little bit more revealing. Help us get to know you a little bit better. Who are you behind your role in the company that you are working for? And the idea is you're answering each one in 60 seconds or less, which I know is pressure because they're meaty questions. And that's just my fun is watching you. Squ- so question number one what is the best advice you've ever received?
0: I talk a lot too, so 60 seconds. My grandfather once said to me when I was floundering around in a a business I was running, everything starts with sales. And he, it wasn't like sales. Yeah, it wasn't. It was actually advice of remember the core basic thing. Remember that there's a customer and that the heart and there is no business without a customer. So that statement, Everything starts with sales sounds like just a statement, but to me was advice that really I probably think about every day, right? So it was about first principles and fundamentals and stripping everything back to like, why are we doing this? So I would say that's probably informed me more than anything professionally is just remembering that's my true north. Everything starts with a customer and solving their problems. Yeah.
2: Yes. And sales is just helping people feel comfortable with the why. So Absolutely. Grandfathers, what is an irrational fear of yours?
0: This is a funny one because you have a prior guest who has the same irrational fear that I have. People behind me. And it's being chased. (laughs) Yes. And I remember, I remember being a really young child and even like this. So it it informs where I sit in a room, how I walk upstairs, how I walk through doors. So people behind me, I'm just so physically uncomfortable. And it's been like that since one of my earliest memories.
2: (laughs) Oh my gosh. Laura Lundberg is our VP of member experience at sales assembly. And one of her big fears too, is the idea of somebody chasing her. I remember her one time saying that if somebody is chasing me, I'd rather just lay down and die than run from them. She's, I will just lay down and I would rather that happen than you chasing me. And like, (laughs) that one makes me laugh. What is the best advice you've ever given?
0: Trust yourself. I find myself giving that one a lot. People don't believe in themselves or trust their themselves, or especially when people skid their knees or make a mistake, then they get caught up in lots of other voices. And I think the trust yourself. That's beautiful.
2: What is something you're genuinely bad at?
0: So many things. Let me tell you. So much stuff. Singing, dancing, baking, drawing, mental math. That's a good one. My husband loves the mental math issue because he'll be like, oh, your favorite wine's on sale. It's you know, X dollars per bottle, I'm going to buy a case. And I'll be like, yeah, do it. And then when I figure out how much the case was, I'm like, oh my gosh, why did we do that? And he's, it's just mental math. I can't do it. So I will yeah. always get mental math wrong.
2: I love your list too. I pictured you doing all of those things at one time yeah. and it being wonderful. <laughs> I'm terrible. I get lost a lot. Like mm-hmm. I can be like I directionally lose where I'm at really quickly, and I, I got lost when I was in college in downtown Chicago for six hours. Wow, couldn't find my way back. And this was before I had the ability to just look it up. So I'm just walking around Chicago, I started crying. It was bad. But I I still to this day like in my own neighborhood, I'm like, wait, where am I? Where? <laughs> I get lost very easily. It's weird. And then last but certainly not least, because I like to end it on an inspirational note. But who was the first person in your life that you can remember that inspired you?
0: Also, my grandfather, the one that said his everything starts with sales. Yeah. He was an entrepreneur, very much made from nothing, grew a large business and he just was always filled with hustle and heart and really built great relationships with his community and his customers and his employees and just the way he brought his whole self to everything he did and so much energy and passion. I just want to always. I always hope that I can capture a little bit of that every day and what I'm doing.
2: Don't we all? Yeah. That's a beautiful thing to wake up every morning and be like, today I'm going to capture energy. I'm going to have to capture passion. Yeah. Even if it's just getting my morning coffee, I'm going to try to do that with some gusto. Right.
0: So, exactly.
2: <laughs> I love it. Well, this has been a wonderful conversation. and As we are nearing the end, how can people find you, connect to you, learn more about your company and what you do? Where do we find you?
0: Yeah. Twitter's always easy. Anna Tallarico, also LinkedIn. And I blog at sasx.com, just s-a-a-s-x.com. So that's a good place too. But yeah, I always love to hear
2: from people. Beautiful. Thank you for coming on Taking the Lead. We will see all of you again, or listen to all of you again next time on our next episode.
1: Have a good one. Bye. This episode was brought to you by Sales Assembly. For more information about membership or our free 60-day trial, visit us at salesassembly.com. And if you like what you just heard, please subscribe to Taking the Lead on Apple or wherever you listen to podcasts. And please leave us a review. It really helps people find the show. Thanks for listening.